Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome, Flora Ong, to That Girl, the podcast. I'm very excited to have you on. It is your first time on the podcast. Flora is a dating and relationship coach. She's also the uh, founder of Redo Love, and she is here to talk about attachment styles today, which is a thing that people keep talking about a lot. And I feel like it's time to really make sure we all understand what attachment styles are, and how they work for us in dating and relationships. So I always like to let my guests tell a little bit about themselves, especially if they're a first-timer. So feel free to just tell everyone who you are, what you do in brief, and then we'll get right into it. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me, first of all. I'm excited to be here. Um, A little about me. Uh, I got divorced uh, about six years ago and started dating on the dating apps for the first time after a 14 year marriage. I had never seen them. (laughs) Um, and it was like discovering a whole new world. Uh, there was a lot of excitement, but after a while, also a lot of disappointment and discouragement. Um, and I was finding myself acting like a 16 year old, uh, falling in love for the first time over and over and over again. And uh, then, you know, that kind of forced me to look at myself at the time. I was also studying to be a health and life coach. And um, I was so aware of what I was doing, but I kept, and I was aware of the mistakes I was making, but I would keep making them. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't understand why I knew it was wrong, but continue. I was like a compulsion, you know, it was like a physical kind of need to like do this thing that I shouldn't be doing, you know? And, uh, when I discovered attachment styles, uh, everything opened up for me. It explained everything to me. Um, and it impacted me so much that, uh, it made it my life's work. (laughs) Wow. Well, I guess when you figure out the, like the mystery of finding the right partner. I mean, yeah, (laughs) you would want to make it that your life's work, or at least have it be a big part of who you are. So let's discuss what attachment styles are. I'm going to let you take the lead on this and just sort of walk us through. So your, the attachment styles, uh, your attachment style is basically how you learn to relate, um, as, uh, as, as a baby, uh, how you learn to relate to people, right? How you were taught to um, relate. And the big thing, and I think the kind of confusion about it, not confusion, but a lot of stuff 
out there is about um, how certain attachment styles act. And while all that is true, your attachment style is so deeply ingrained in you because it most of our attachment style is picked up before the age of three mm-hmm. when you've had no cognitive thought and um, it's all in your nervous system, right? And that's the part I think that is missing in a lot of the conversation that it's really something that uh, is so ingrained in your, uh, it's almost like in your physiology. And so when I said like, I was feeling compulsed, like I, I felt like I had compulsions, that's, that was real. I actually was having a physical reaction to my feelings, right? Right. So, um, so the, so it, it's embedded at that time. And then um, because we don't realize it, or we didn't know about it up until like this point, uh, it kind of, dictates your actions and behaviors in relationships because your relationships are the closest mirror to your um, your parental relationships, right? Your love relationships are the closest mirror to your parental relationships. And it most, it comes up very much in there, but it also comes up with friends and it comes up at work and, you know, different areas. Uh, And uh, there's four attachment styles. There is a, Secure, which is the kind of ideal where you are properly attuned to as a child. And that kind of means that your parents were there for you emotionally. They would pick you up when you cried. They would um, look you in the eye. They would get down on the same level as you and allow also allow you to have emotions, right? And allow you to experience kinds of the highs and the lows and then healthily repair that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other three are all insecure attachment styles. So the um, the bigger categories are the avoidant and the anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the smallest category is the fearful avoidant or disorganized. Has <laughs> All of the attachment styles, by the way, have different, they're, uh, there's only four, but they all have different names. So sometimes it gets confusing when you look it up online. But right. the avoidant attachment styles kind of built when the child's emotions were neglected. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could be for a multitude of reasons. Maybe the parents didn't know how to connect. Maybe there was like, uh, there was some sort of drug use or something in the house that the parent wasn't available really, you know, at all to be there for the child. And what happens there is that the avoidant child shuts down their attachment system completely and totally, um, and stops, understands that their needs will not be met by other people. And so they start focusing on things um, and kind of passion. So they'll get very attached to a blanket. They will get very attached to like books or something, you know, or like as they grow up like video games and um, they become, uh, they don't really need people. It's not to say that they're not extroverted and fun necessarily, but they don't uh, emotionally need people. And then they kind of resent people that need them because mm. they don't need people. So what, why, why, what do you need me for? You know, mm. that just, Oh, that just resonated so much. I was like, am I avoidant? I think I might be. And I'm just kidding. I'm secure. I feel that I'm very secure with like little hints of avoidance, but no, I mean, I, we all have, you know, little bits here and there. Little we're sprinklings. Not, yeah. And we're not 100% of anything, but, um, but yeah, it totally, that makes sense, you know? Um, right. Cause that's, I mean, and I feel like the avoidant attachment style 
well, and the anxious, I mean, as you said, those are the two, the biggies, Mm -hmm. but the avoidant is so prevalent in dating, right? It's like an avoidant, well, you know what, let's keep going. And then we'll get back to this because we can then start discussing how they all work together. So let's go to anxious attachments. (laughs) So the anxious attachment style is developed when um, the child did have that, uh, that attunement that they needed. They did have a lot of love. They did have a lot of care but it was unclear and inconsistent, uh, unclear as to when when they would have it, and it was inconsistent. So I'm anxiously attached, for example. My parents were immigrants. They worked all the time. When they were home, it was wonderful and great, but otherwise they were really out of the house for most of my life, really growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was passed around as a young child to, you know, grandparents and stuff because they, they were working. And so um, that causes the anxious child to become, to associate love with abandonment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they become uh, very, uh, like, they're constantly waiting for the uh, love relationship to end. They're constantly looking for cues that they'll be abandoned. If Mm -hmm. somebody is suddenly busy, oh, sorry, I can't meet tonight. It can mean like the the relationship's over. You know, they start like ruminating and running through crazy thoughts in their head and making stories up about what's really going on. Um, And they take the slightest cues of abandonment that the slightest cues of this, like, maybe somebody's not in a good mood, maybe, you know, something, but they'll make a big story out of it that somehow they're going to be abandoned. And then they start to react to that feeling. That's so true. And that is happening so much. That's where expectations start developing and you start assuming things of people and creating fantasy in your head. And then it could be true. It could also not be true, you know, and that becomes very dangerous when you're dating. So. Yeah. So they're very, they're extremely hypervigilant and also just associate love with abandonment. So it's, you know, constantly trying to hold on to it, constantly trying to figure out how to make it stay. Even if there's nothing particularly wrong, they even make things wrong because they're trying to test partners um, sometimes, uh, you know, just confirming that the love is there and going to stay. And that's what they remember too. You know, it's like if mom and dad were always leaving and like, here's a little bit of love and then I'm gone. Like that's so familiar. And like you said, that's really in your nervous system that if that doesn't happen, then whatever relationship that they're feeling is not normal. So, okay. What is the fourth attachment style? The fourth and final is the, um, Fearful avoidant, which is, uh, it's kind of actually results in a mix of both the avoidant and the anxious style. Um, And it tends to be the smallest part of the population um, and is linked usually, not always, but to a lot of chaos growing up. Uh, more than not, it's usually linked to like actual abuse, like sexual, mental, physical, you know, really bad things kind of happening in childhood where the child learned to associate love with fear. Mm. Um, and so they're constant, they want the love, right? So they're the anxious and avoidant thing plays out. Like they really want love. They can be really intense in the beginning, you know, and then as soon as the other partner comes towards them, they pull away because now they're afraid of uh, yeah. what that means. Right. 
That must, that must be very difficult for the yeah. other partner. Um, okay. And there so. you are, just to like say quickly, they're your typical like hot and cold um, person in dating. Ah, interesting. Okay, good. That's, that's so helpful. So, okay. In dating and also a relationship, if you happen to get into a relationship and you're dating one of these one of the three, not the secure. Secure, you're probably fine, but you might have your own issues. So regardless of what you're doing, let's start with the avoidant. What does that look like in dating? Like what sort of stereotypical stories are we seeing out there and relationship patterns are we seeing out there? So people can be like, oh, that's what I do. Or, oh, that's what my partner's doing to me. Um, so avoidance tend to be, they can, uh, they tend to be smart, successful at what they do because again they've put their their sense of validation comes from things passions uh hobbies and stuff like that so I, I joke that like marathon runners or like you know people that do Ironmans tend to be avoidant because they're uh you know they're they're doing their own thing they're running <laughs> you know? away from you <laughs> um but uh, they, you know, and so they can seem really wonderful um, on the outside and they tend to have a lot of friends, but they don't have a lot of deep relationships. They don't have a lot of intimate relationships. And when it comes, you know, you're dating a couple of months and you're ready to move forward, they uh, will suddenly find something wrong in the relationship. Mm. And it'll be very justifiable in their minds. Well, you know, her, she doesn't have, a, she or he doesn't have a good enough education. And, you know, our intelligence, mm. we're not on the same level there. Or um, she has fat ankles. I mean, it can go <laughs> anywhere from like. Damn those ankles. <laughs> something really silly like that. But it can really be become a thing for them, you know. Um uh, but it always seems very justifiable so that if they're explaining it to a friend or something, you, you, you kind of can't argue the point. But what's really happening is it's their subconscious coping mechanism to push people away. And so that whole need thing is really big for them because, again, they don't need anybody. They've done it alone. They've, you know, so when somebody needs them, it becomes uh, they kind of get overwhelmed and they get turned off. Um, yeah. And it. Again, from them, it's justifiable, right? But what's really happening is it's a subconscious protective mechanism that is stopping them from feeling emotions or relying on somebody because it's so scary to them because it was it was not, you know, they didn't get that in childhood. They don't know what that feels like. So it's a very uncomfortable place for them. So if you are dating someone who is showing these tendencies what is the best thing for you to do in that situation? Um, let me say quickly, they are the types that won't need a lot of um, communication in between dates necessarily. Okay. They need a lot of space, right, in relationship. Um, and so if you're dating somebody like that, uh, it, you need to have an understanding of that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. where the anxious person needs a lot of attention, needs a lot of reassurance, likes to communicate all the time, likes to, you know, kind of keep up with each other day to day kind of thing. Um, the avoidant person uh, needs space and doesn't want to be pushed. And so in the timeline of relationship, they won't start thinking seriously about somebody until they're like six months in. Yeah. And so 
if you're anxious and if even if you're secure sometimes in your dating and avoidant person, you're ready to move forward, they may not be. And it's not because they don't like you or love you or have feelings, but it's just because they're just not wired that way. Wow. And then how long can that last? Is it indefinite or is there sort of a time period? Meaning like when they would be like, no, yeah, let's make this official or like, yeah, I mean, you know, plenty of avoidance do have long-term relationships, but they end up with partners that can have the capacity to give them space. Mm. Don't push them too much um, in terms of, you know, like the intimacy and the um, emotional intimacy, I should say. Um, and, uh, it can last what happens. They don't really get comfortable until, um, until the, the, uh, oh God, what, what, I'm sorry. There's, I'm forgetting my phases of relationship, but they don't get comfortable, uh, and really trust until quite some time in, uh, into a relationship. Like they'll, they'll become committed, let's say after six months, right? Mm-hmm. Like they'll, they'll be comfortable getting committed, but they're still kind of sussing out uh, whether this is going to work for them. And then they do, they do end up trusting their partner, but it does take a, a long time. So that could be about like a year, year and a half um, before they properly, um, you know, really kind of trust and relax and uh Yeah. And I would imagine too, for the partner in that kind of relationship, it's kind of like, well, we're at a year, we're together. Um, you know, it's it's like, you know, you're giving them space and you're giving them like time to, you know, adjust, but like you've got your own priorities too. And that can be the problem I would imagine is, is just being like, okay, well, I'm ready for like the next step. And you're still like figuring out even though we're committed, like what we should do or what you are ready for. And, you know, I I can see that being a real problem, especially at a certain age for women. I'll just say, you know, you're ready to get married and have kids and do the whole thing. And this guy's like, yeah, I'm going to need some more time because it's already, it's just been a year. It's just a year. It's nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And you're like, um, I'm 38. So I like really need to get this moving. (laughs) So like, what do you do in that situation? Um, this is the the thing is when you don't understand the attachment style part of this, right? And most most people still don't, right? We uh, we do, <laughs> right? But most people still don't, and so it can be very maddening in that situation. And it's very hard to understand why we're together for a year. Why wouldn't you commit? And so um, there's the side of you have to take care of your own needs. And, mm-hmm. and desires just overall and in general. And then there's the side of this person may come around, but ultimately this, you know, you can only take care of your side of the street, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can wait and you're okay to wait and you feel like it's worthwhile to wait, then you wait. But if it's not working for you, that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. That's huge. And that's such good advice. I really hope everyone just heard that. Like you need to do the relationship for you. You can love that person. You can respect them. You can have fun together. But at the end of the day, if it's not, if you're not really moving in the same direction and you do feel that this person is an avoidant personality and they're just going to keep kind of coasting and you're like, I've got a timeline here. Like I got to get on this. It might 
be time to say goodbye and find someone who's more aligned with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. And it makes, it, it can be very difficult to understand um, when, again, when you're, you're not really understanding of the attachment style conversation um, and it seems like a mystery and it, it it's very difficult. But uh, again, that's why, like, regardless of the attachment styles and in life in general, you can only make your, you know, set your standards, set your boundaries and hope that the person that you're with is either meeting them. And if they're not, um, you know, move on to the next thing that does work for you. Definitely. All right. Well, let's move on to anxious attachment. Let's describe what that looks like in a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So they are, I mean, you know, they get the bad rap of being needy. Um, They are, like I said earlier, they like a lot of attention, a lot of reassurance. Um, They can cause chaos in relationships because they're constantly worried whether this person is leaving. So they'll, or, you know, might leave. So they, they might, um, uh, cause arguments just to see if this person will stay um, in their lives, right? Or constantly kind of testing uh, the waters. They ruminate a lot, uh, meaning that, you know, early on, early stages of dating, there's a lot of, is he going to call? When is he going to call? What is he, you know, like, what is he doing? You know, and then checking all the social media and, you know, checking back. Apps, yeah. Doing all the like stalking and all that. And, ma- and then again, making story out of mm-hmm. a picture, you know, like with like, let, I'm just using, you know, male, female thing here, but like, you know, maybe there's a guy with a, with another girl in a picture and maybe they're just friends, but again, the anxious person's like going to start like thinking, thinking, thinking all these crazy yeah. things, you know, and making themselves crazy, really. Do you think that women tend to be more anxious than men? I think probably, um, yes. And, and we don't have, it's hard to get accurate stats on, on this because it's self-reported really. And it's also like an emotional thing. And so when you're, even when you're really testing for it, um, it's hard to get an accurate same because if you're having a good day and you take a quiz, you can end up being a lot more secure, you know? And then if you're having a bad day or you're in a relationship with somebody who's pulling away from you, you know, you might end up very anxious. Um, even a secure person can end up very anxious on, um, you know, in a situation yeah. like that. So it's kind of hard to get like appropriate stats on that, to be honest. But yes, do I, I think more women are anxious. I think more men are avoidant, but I've met plenty of avoidant women. Yes, it definitely goes both ways. But I, I do feel like, and maybe it's just an age thing too, where you know, when you're younger, you're just so smitten about that guy and you're just like, oh my gosh, he's everything. And then when he's not calling or whatever, you just become naturally anxious. And I do feel that that happens more in the teens, the twenties, even in the thirties, but like, you know, the older you get, I I swear, it's just like, okay, he's not calling like, and I'm moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it. Like a lot of times maturity is confused for attachment style. So you will hear a lot of times, you know, like I get 50, 60 year old men, women talking to me and just saying like, oh, you know, she just, she was so immature. She was constantly causing arguments. Um, You know, I I couldn't leave without her, you know, wanting to know exactly where I was going, how long I was going to be, all this kinds of stuff. But really what that is, it's an attachment style issue. It is a maturity thing. 
That's fascinating. That is so interesting. I mean, it never goes away, guys. Just you need to get a hold of your attachment yeah. style. Yeah, that's the wild thing about it is that it never goes away. Yeah, that is, it's forever. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the fourth one, the fearful avoidant. Avoidant, yeah. Okay. Um, so there's the dismissive avoidant. I should have probably called the first one dismissive avoidant, and then this one's called the fearful avoidant. Um, and they are, yeah, like I kind of said, they're the kind of hot and cold people in relationship. They can be super loving, intense, like really into things, especially in the beginning, but then get really fearful um, when the partner like it becomes interested and, you know, is ready to go the extra distance. They, their, uh, their big issue is trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they can be very jealous and just not trusting overall of the relationship of the, um, of the partner, uh, you know, the whole entire time there's kind of an, an, uh, an issue there and they're kind of always building a case in which to prove that, uh, they can't trust you. Mm. Um, you know, so it's always going on in the back of their head. Like you come home late from work one day and it's like, ah, here we go. You know, and then you're three, four nights, you're home late from work. And now, you know, suddenly, and there's like this big argument because, you know, what were you doing? You weren't working kind of thing. Are these people, do they tend to be kind of controlling I would say that the anxious person ends up being more controlling. Um, But yes, the fearful avoidant would probably have that. But the fearful avoidant has the capacity to also pull away for long periods of time like the avoidant person. So I'd probably, I I think that's how they might assert control, right, is by pulling away rather than by trying to make you do something, you know? So... Okay. So the, the dismissive avoidant is more, they're not really scared as much as they're just what? The dismissive avoidant or the fear? The dismissive. The dismissive is shut down. Okay. So they just like stop feeling. They're just they're just like sociopaths. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they get the bad rap of being narcissists. Right. Right. You know, and while it's not, that's not true in that they are not true narcissists, but they might feel like, or seem narcissistic to some degree because yeah. they will go from having a relationship with somebody for, and what feels like a good intense relationship. And when they're done, they're done. And there's no talking, there's no, let's figure this out. It's over and they will not speak to you and they will shut you down and they, you know, will completely disassociate as though they never loved you, you know, and never cared about you. Yikes. Um, I have only done that to one person and it was because it was such a abusive mentally relationship that I was like, I do not want to ever talk to you again, ever, ever, ever. Like there's no, there's no more talking. We've talked everything out. If you didn't catch it all of those other times, we're definitely not talking now. (laughs) So I think, yeah, just, um, for the people who have just shut it down for, you know, certain people and you're like, but I don't think I'm like dismissive avoidant or, you know, maybe I have tendencies, but just there are always different circumstances why someone might do that to you or you might do that to someone. Yeah, of course. And this is the thing, the attachment styles, while there are a lot of people who very much associate with one, 
we're all somewhat all over the map, right, on it. And also depending, again, like if you're in a healthy relationship or you are in a happy time in your life and things are going well, you might take these quizzes and you might end up very highly secure. But um, And you might even be secure, like primarily, right, your primary attachment style. But if you end up in and a relationship with somebody who's avoidant, you might end up becoming very anxious because it's it's the nature of avoidance and anxiety. Like avoidance causes anxiety and anxiety causes avoidance, if you can understand that cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's really pulling away from you, whether you're secure or anxious, you're going to start, it's somebody you care about, right? You're going to start getting anxious. You're going to start to feel like what's wrong, like you know, why are, why are you pulling away and vice versa? If you're highly, if you're a secure person dating an anxious person, you are going to be like, chill, (laughs) everything's cool, (laughs) chill out, you know, and might, you might need to take some extra space because that person might feel, um, overly intense. This is such good advice. Um, I don't know. What else, what else do you want to talk about with this? Cause it's, it's so good. And I feel like there's so many great examples here that are very, very real life situations that I know people are going to listen and be like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened to me. Like, thank you. Now I I get it better. Um, but you know what, actually let's talk about the narcissism word or the narcissist word, because that does get thrown around a lot. And there is a difference between being like a full blown narcissist or a sociopath, which is even worse. <laughs> um, and then just being avoidant, you know, dismissive avoided or fearful avoidant. Let's really dive into that more. So um, the narcissist is somebody who, and, and I, to be honest, it's not even my space. So I don't know that that much, but I do know that um, they lack the ability uh, to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, and it takes on a whole different, uh, it takes on a whole different uh, way of being um, where mm. because they lack empathy, but they, they, they become very manipulative. Um, right. They're, they're highly insecure people. Um, most likely they were very dismissed as children. <laughs> um, and so they're very highly insecure and at the same time kind of create this image of being very grandiose or extroverted or very shiny. Right. right. And that's part of the manipulation is that they will love bomb you with all these great things and dates and flowers mm-hmm. and talking and all, sex and like all of it. And then they'll just cut it out, out, out of nowhere and start bringing you down. Um, they like to lift people up so that they can knock them down over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, and there are definitely podcasts on narcissism in the, in the podcast. So just scroll mm-hmm. back and you'll find them. We'll probably do even more, but, <laughs> but it's just, I, I definitely know, like there have been people that I have dated where I was like, that person has narcissistic tendencies. That's, I think the, that, I love that you said that because that's more of, more related to the dismissive avoidant, right? Right. Some of us, you know, some of us sometimes (laughs) in life probably, you know? Definitely. I mean, we're all just human. We're all just trying to make it happen here. (laughs) Like it's tough, but yeah, I think if you come from a place of, you know, looking at your partner, looking at yourself, and if they are dismissive avoidant or fearful avoidant too, which to me is almost like the lesser of two evils, you know, I'm like, well, at least you're just scared, you know, and you're, you're feeling the fear instead of just shutting it down. 
um, you can have a better idea of, is this person like a true narcissist or is this person just have narcissistic tendencies because they feel so deeply insecure because of their upbringing, their parents? I mean, it always comes back to the parents. It always comes back to the parents, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, the, the dismissive avoidant does may appear to have some narcissistic tendencies, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But they are not, there's a different, it's a different, uh, not that this dismissive avoidant is a diagnosis, but the narcissistic, narcissism is a diagnosis. So it is very different and it's unfair to paint the dismissive avoidant with that brush. Although there might be some tendencies that show up here and there because they can shut down um, even if they've loved somebody and they've cared about them because they're constantly in a state of protecting themselves from having to deal with emotion. Yes, there it is. There it is. And that very much feels like a narcissist because they just, they have emotion, but they don't have empathy. So I can see how that could get very misconstrued. Um, Yeah, it's fascinating. So before you know, you start saying like my boyfriend or the guy I'm dating is a narcissist or he's dismissive avoidant or fearful avoidant, you know, just, just really like look into the situation see like going back to it, you know, if you have a timeline and this person is wonderful, but like, they're not on the same path as you just, just, it's okay. Like it may hurt for a minute, but just it's, it's time to move on and find what you really need and not lay it in the hands of your partner to give you what you want. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, what's interesting about the secure, uh, classification is that they, um, they tend to feel for, especially for the insecure attachment cells. Okay. So everybody is better with the secure person, right? Because the secure person has enough security to give somebody space if they need it or give somebody attention if they need it, right? It doesn't, they have a sense of responsibility to their, they know they they have a sense of responsibility to their partners, right? So they understand though, if I love you and you need space, that's cool, man, take your space, no problem, right? But, um, and also the same for the anxious side, they'll, oh, you need some extra reassurance? Sure, I'll call you, you you want me to call you? No problem, that's fine. Um, And so, but to the insecure attachment style, the secure person a lot of times seems boring. Mm, Oh my gosh. Because they don't activate their nervous system the way that other insecure attachment styles do, which uh, is reminiscent of what they learned as love in their childhood. And so... Uh, and so unfortunately, a lot of the insecure, it's, it, it tends to be more on the anxious side, but it happens with the other styles as well. Um, they, they tend to find the secure person boring. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so on the other side of that is the, the anxious avoidant loop, which we can talk about, which is becomes typically speaking your trauma bond or your, uh, typical toxic relationship. Right. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about that really fast. Um, cause that's very, very normal and mm-hmm. it's a, it's an empath, it's a giver finding a taker and then it just loops around. So why uh, did you discuss that? <laughs> so the, uh, the anxious avoidant loop happens, uh, quite often. And it, I think it's quite 
uh, I think it's quite of an issue these days with the dating apps, right? Because uh, supposedly on the dating apps, you find a lot of avoidance and a lot of anxious people because the scare people end up in relationships uh, pretty easily and pretty helpful. Or hate dating apps. <laughs> or, or that, right? <laughs> um, and so you will find uh, the anxious person is attracted to the avoidant person because they replicate that uh, feeling of inconsistency that the um, anxious person grew up with, right? Because they're, they, they go on a date, they're great, everything's wonderful, they, they have a lot to talk about, lots of feelings are coming up suddenly, and then the avoidant person doesn't call or text back for a while. Mm-hmm. And so the anxious person is now like, oh my God, what happened? Did I do something wrong? I really like them. You know, they're all anxious and they're activated now, which reminds them of their childhood. So even though yeah. consciously they don't necessarily like the feeling of waiting and not knowing what's going on, they're, uh, it's like a drug to them. Yeah. You know? It feels familiar. It feels familiar, like subconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. And then the avoidant person comes back at their leisure when they're comfortable, when, you know, they feel like it. And um, <coughs> the gardeners are also outside. And now I'm starting to wonder if this is like an allergy situation. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. <coughs> okay. <laughs> Begin again. Sorry. Um, and so the avoidant person kind of comes back at their leisure, not realizing that the anxious person has been anxious this whole time. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of continuing on their timeline in their comfort zone. Um, uh, and the avoidant person is at equally attracted to the, the excitement, the emotional, uh, the emotional show, let's say, of the anxious person because that was something that was missing for them in their childhood. So they're, they're highly attracted to that too, but they can only take so much. Yeah. And so even if they have this wonderful experience together, they need time and space to kind of reconnect with themselves before they can, you know, have another experience with the anxious person. Um, But it drives the anxious person crazy, the waiting in between, the non-communication in between, because if you don't know that you're avoidant and you're taking space, you don't even know that you need to communicate that you're taking a little space, or you don't know that you need to communicate that like, Oh, I'm, I'm happy not to talk for a week and then I'll see you in a week kinds of thing. Like it doesn't right. even occur to you that that is a problem because that's how you roll. But the anxious yeah. person is like, you know, crying hysterically at home, wondering why you're not calling. <laughs> you right, know? right. Wondering what's going on. And so, uh, and so you just end up in this crazy, like, you know, uh, push and pull of each mm-hmm. other's different, you know, the two have completely opposite needs and completely opposite coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And when you don't understand that about each other, you just think that this person doesn't love you, or this person is too much, or, you know, and you go kind of back and forth in this craziness, but subconsciously you're drawn to each other because of uh, the, the trauma you're trying to heal through this relationship. How do you think there's a way to make that work in a much more healthy way? If these two people are like, we love each other, like we don't want to break up, we want this pattern to end. Um, First of all, obviously there has to be an awareness of what's going on and what's actually driving these behaviors. Uh, There needs to be an understanding of your own needs, right? Uh, Your own standards of communication, your own 
standards of how you want the relationship to go and each other's needs um, and then a respect for each other's needs and some sort of plan around um, how to meet those needs for each other. Yeah. Um, the anxious person will need, require, want more uh, time, attention, reassurance, but has to learn to self-soothe in the space uh, where the avoidant person needs space, mm-hmm. right? And respects the fact that the avoidant person is going to need more space and know that it, that doesn't mean that they are leaving them, that they don't like them, that they don't care anymore. It's just, they have like an internal need, uh, a subconscious need for, you know, taking some space and some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the avoidant person has to learn to uh, give a little more uh, emotionally, you know, and kind of respect the fact that the the anxious person is not trying to uh, suffocate them, yeah. <laughs> is not trying to, you know, uh, yeah. you know, trap them into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they'll have to learn to communicate kind of their need for space, and it. I think a lot of it is in the communication for the avoidant person, mm-hmm. um, but also learning to get comfortable with uh, with some extra time and meeting some of the needs of the anxious partner. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about caring for your partner, right? And, and I don't want to use the word sacrifice so much, but just being like, what do you need? And maybe that's not my comfort level or like the thing that comes naturally to me. But if you need this, I will help you. I will, I will do my best to, to try to give you what you need and back and forth. Right. Cause it's, it's going to feel uncomfortable on both ends. Like the anxious person's going to be like, no, 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 I really need communication more. And the avoidance going to be like, yeah, but that is going to drive me away basically. So it's like, where's the happy medium? Because we both love each other. Let's find that happy medium. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's truly, sorry. I was going to say that's just truly what relationship is about. It's about really listening to your partner and getting out of your comfort zone and doing what you can for the relationship. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, if both partners are willing to do the work, then it doesn't matter what your attachment styles are. Um, Things can work, right? But if people aren't self-aware, if people aren't willing to understand and do the work, then it doesn't matter if you're two secure people. Um, It's, you know, it's not going to work because relationships take work. Relationships draw out, will trigger every emotional fear, subconscious fear that you have. And if you have an awareness around that Mm -hmm. and a mindfulness around getting curious around it rather than reacting to it, then it's a lot, you know, you can have a lot healthier of a relationship. Um, But it's when people react to their emotional triggers that a lot of arguments happen and, um, you know, things really go awry. Right. I love the word be curious, you know, or the phrase be curious because it is about curiosity. Instead of being defensive, just be curious. Like, okay, maybe I don't know everything. (laughs) What a concept. (laughs) Maybe I'm not right. Who knows? Let's find out. 
Yeah. And it's kind of like, why am I, why is this upsetting me? Like Mm. he, he didn't call me today or he canceled plans today. Like, you know, the, the, without thinking about it, you want to pick up the phone and be like, what, what happened? Why? But what are you doing? Like, why did you cancel plans? Right. But when you don't react to that and you sit in the space of the discomfort, what is coming up? Yeah. And that's, and what does he do? You know, what, what, like, if you leave it open and you don't react to those emotions and you don't react to those feelings, um, and you, you're, you learn to self-soothe in the process of it, right. Mm -hmm. Then how does he show up? Yeah. You know, and what, what I discovered and what was beautiful about that is that, um, you allow people to be the person you want them to be mm. because you're leaving that space for them to be who, you know, who they are. And more than not, uh, they'll come back in the way that you want them to when you've given them the space to reconnect with themselves, you know? Mm. That's beautiful. You're right. That's just beautiful. And it's true because we're really supposed to love each other for who we really are and try not to change them. I mean, we will naturally change in relationship to make the relationship work. But yeah, it's it's when you're not hitting them over the head with it, it really helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, in my marriage, you said something about being right. Like the, the big first lesson I learned after my divorce um, that, you know, and I was completely deep in the shadows and my dad, you know, completely not mindful in any way, shape or form at the time. Um, is that I was, I, I spent my whole relationship just trying to be right, yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. trying to fight the fight and be right. So um, instead of working on the relationship. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. Well, Flora, this has been awesome. And I just love talking to you. I'd love to have you back if you'd like to come. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. All right. Awesome. Tell people how they can find you. Um, I can be found at mostly on Instagram at redo.love. That's R-E-D-O dot L-O-V-E. My website is www.redo.love. And uh, yeah, those are the main places to find me. So Perfect. And you can find all of that in the show notes. Thank you, Flora. Thank you so much. This is great. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.